Rome Show with your hosts, Andrew Romanella. I legitimately watched the entire women's triathlon the other day. Uh, triad, triad. I got to tell you, that was exhilarating stuff. But I was locked in because... And Rocky Romanella. Regular people. Right? I want to start hearing that it's important that a team is practicing their defensive two-minute drill because no one in the NFL can stop anyone with... with Like, if you have over a minute left, you're, you're kicking a field goal every time. Good morning, Romo Sapiens, and welcome into another edition of the Rome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV, Channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter Live. I am your host, Andrew Romanello. We will be joined shortly shortly by my brother the other half of team rome show rocky romanella very soon we remind you before we do any of that that you can get us on twitter and instagram at wide world of rome we got a question sticker like we usually do going across the instagram story right now so just head on over there and write into that as well as chime in on the action facebook Dot com slash the Rome show one a lot Romo sapiens a lot has happened in the sports world in the last seven days and we have a plethora on the docket Major League Baseball is back a former star that retired is now unretiring he's back. Plus, you have a frenzy of signings and trades in the National Football League, including some big quarterback names on the move. The NBA and the NHL are heating, heating up as we barrel directly through to the postseason. And we couldn't be more excited on the Rome Show, so we'll bring you all that and more. Stay with us all the way until 8.30. Before we dive into any of it, though, I just... I have one note I have to make, and it's it's on the sports world. It's on the sports topic, but it is straight off my Rome today, and I just need to say it because, quite frankly, I think this has now gone from, oh, these videos are kind of funny to this is actually really embarrassing. And what I'm talking about is when I'm scrolling through Instagram or I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see these videos particularly this morning at a hockey rink where there's a kid leaving the bench to go look what looks like fight a dad in the stands. And then there's a full-fledged fight between the two parents in the stands. I watched another one the other day where there was a father screaming at the officials and then someone had the video camera on because that is how it works nowadays, people. If you start doing something stupid in public, People immediately pull out their video cameras. How we haven't learned that yet as a society is astronomically mind-blowing. But that's not the point. The point isn't is the embarrassing people that are being videotaped. Guy yelling at the referees, then punches the dude in the face that's videotaping. Like, I just have to say something. I'm over these videos. Like, it's, it's actually embarrassing. Like, I think that if a video like that comes out, and there is a parent that is fighting another parent at a youth sporting event, or a parent screaming at an official at a youth sporting event, or acting like an imbecile, 
or whatever it is, you deserve to be banned, not just from that arena or that field or that court, but you are now banned from youth sports for legitimately life. Like, you can't come to a high school game. You can't come to a semi-professional game. You know what? Not even just you. All sports. You're banned from all sports for life. If you're the tool bag that is going to fight another parent at a 14U hockey game, or you're the loser that's going to scream and yell at the officials at your son's basketball 8U basketball game, or the dad or the coach that wants to get ejected from the 9U baseball game where three pitchers are thrown by the coach and three are thrown by the kid and half the kids don't even know what they're doing there that day. You deserve to be banned from sports for life. You don't ever deserve to be at another sporting event again, whether that's your kids, a professional sporting event, some high school team, The only thing you can do is watch sports on TV because if you're that big of a lunatic and that big of an imbecile and honestly, an embarrassment to society, that's just my personal opinion. And this has come from a guy that's been ejected from baseball games and has taken a game a little bit too seriously as my job, mind you, either way, as a spectator of a 12U hockey game, if you get into a fight with a parent, or you get into a fight with the officials, or even the kid. If that kid wants to come into the crowd and start trying to fight with his dad, but all of you, both of you, your whole family, never again do you get to witness sports. It's embarrassing. It is so embarrassing that I got to watch these videos online. And And it's like, are people proud of this? Like, do people think this is funny? Please write into the Rome Show, at Wide World of Rome. On Twitter at Coach Romo twenty four on Twitter. Please write into the Rome Show because I'm insanely. I think these. I think they're just disturbing. I'm not. I just think it's embarrassing. Like how you could be a human being that is okay with this, and or a parent that would show up to a game and actually has the mental fortitude to get that angry that you're going to throw punches at another parent or throw punches, or verbally abuse an official is embarrassing. I tweeted this last week at Coach Romo 24 If you're a fan who disrespects professional athletes and verbally abuses their families, you deserve to lose your sports fanship. Not just for that team, for every sporting event ever. Youth, high school, college, every sport disrespectful, bad sports fans need to go. I tweeted that the other day based on a story that I saw where Russell Westbrook essentially said, I can't and don't want to bring my family members to the the crypto.com arena anymore because of the things that get said to them. And I don't want to subject them to that. I mean, that is so embarrassing. I mean, people, really? Like, you have a player in the National Basketball Association, a pretty good player, mind you, despite what this year's told you, 
the longevity of his career and the success over the course of his career has told you that he's a very exciting, pretty fun player to watch every time he steps on the floor. But that's an aside to this. The fact that a man cannot bring his wife and kids to his job, and I get it, the arena with which his job exists in is significantly different than most. I understand all of those things. But he's a professional athlete. He should never even have to think about his family getting verbally abused over a basketball game. And this is probably what money wagering has done to professional sports and to people, honestly. Now, the, the, the parents in the youth places, there's legitimately zero excuse. I don't even think there's an excuse for anybody. But the parents verbally abusing kids, other parents, and referees. Okay, that's just, you, you, you literally deserve to be put in jail and you shouldn't be a father or a mother anymore. It's embarrassing. It's a joke. And boy, does it make me appreciate my parents. Yeah, did my dad give it to me a little bit in the car afterwards when I played poorly? Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, man. If I stepped on the field or I was on the ice that day, it, it was hard work to figure out where my dad was located. Yeah, I could find my mom. She was hanging out with all the other cool moms up there, chilling, cheering their son on, really pumped that their kid was having a good time. Yes, they wanted us to play well. Of course they wanted us to do good. But more or less, they were happy that their son was happy. And yeah, there are times when I probably got hit the wrong way. Something illegal happened to me. Something dirty happened to me. I got hit with a pitch. Something. It happens. It actually has before. In college, I got still got the mark on my wrist right here. Got slid into real illegally, cleats up, Mercy College, junior year, if I remember correctly. Senior year, corrections, senior year, so I didn't remember fully correct. And it was bad. A little bit of a bench is clear, nothing fully, you know. But like, I didn't, my, my dad wasn't fighting another dad on the, in the stands because that kid's a tool and he slid into me illegally like a scumbag. No, he wasn't doing that. Is that kid all of those things? Yeah, he is. Yes, he is. But you as a parent have to, as much as it might hurt you, leave the game playing and the and all of the officiating and the you got to leave it to the people that are designated to be on that field quarter ice and yeah man if something so incredibly bad happens or a kid is so incredibly disrespectful and he's not getting reprimanded by a coach or he's not getting reprimanded by the referee first and foremost that's got to be the worst officiated and coach sporting event you've ever seen in your entire life that's, that's number one, which is possible. But two, handle it like a mature adult. Go up to the coaches of the other team. Go up to the coach on your team. Go up to one of those individuals and say, hey, I'm not going to lie to you. I, have no, I don't want to start like a whole problem here. But number 17 on your team's skating around like an animal. He's whipping his stick around. I have no idea why the officials aren't calling it, but it is a grossly terrible way to play the game of hockey. I, it's almost dangerous to the kids. I'm going to come up to you because you're the coach of the team, and I don't really want to start problems with parents in the stands, but I got to tell you, man, it's, just, it's embarrassing to watch. And if it ever really got to that point, to me, in my opinion, then this is probably... The, like I said, the worst officiated and coached game you've ever seen. 
But I can't imagine every situation I've ever watched on Instagram or, or Twitter where a fan's fighting a fan or a guy's attacking an official, it's an embarrassing stuff, that the officials and the coaches weren't trying to a degree to do something to make the situation better. And most times, people, most times, it's, it's not even a legitimate reason for why these people are. It's like a bad call. I don't know. The bottom line is it's embarrassing. I truly believe the people that act and operate that way should never be allowed into a sporting event again. Ever. Especially if you're fighting people. And if, if you're verbally abusing a professional sports fans, uh, professional sports athletes, families, honestly don't even believe you deserve like to be a, a human. Honestly, that's a joke. But, you know, I'm not here to get into politics, but Therein lies the issue with our world. One human being has so little respect for another human being that they feel like they could say or do whatever the hell they want. I could verbally abuse their families. I can tell this dad that his kid's a clown and I'll fight him because his kid's an idiot. I'll tell the referee all these terrible things. Because people just, it's, it's a lack of respect. And it's very sad. And it's very disappointing. That's my straight off the Rome today here at Wide World of Rome on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to get in on that, you have some thoughts, feelings, or stories um, about that happening. But I stand by my tweet. If you are a fan who disrespects, and I wrote in this tweet professional athletes and verbally abuses their families. But in, in general, if you are a, a fan or a parent or somebody that, that is one of these videos I see on Instagram or Twitter. It's just, it's not cool. You're a loser. And you really need to look in the mirror. And you really need to check out what's going on. Rome Show with you. 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV, Channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter Live. March Madness uh, tournament bracket came out as well. We'll dive into that in a little bit. Um... Waiting for Rocky to give us a call. While we do that, um, we're gonna for at least for me, I, I got I got to talk about this Tom Brady stuff going on here because and, and we have plenty of time to get into baseball. But the news of Sunday was not Selection Sunday. The news of Sunday was not the fact that you had the tournament. finding out whose seed was what. No, that was not the news of Sunday. The news of Sunday was the fact that Tom Brady has decided that after 40 days, which, mind you, is 40 days that was half the amount of time that baseball was locked out. So baseball was locked out double the amount of time it took Tom Brady to be retired and then decide, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm coming back to football. And it, and it bothered me, Romo Sapiens. It bothered me that Tom, it is bothering me that Tom Brady is coming back. And here's why. Well, you know what? Before we do that, let's bring in for this conversation the one and the only Rocky Romanella. Rocky, welcome to the show. Good morning. 
how we do it. Listen, I, I, I had to bring you in here before I made this point because I have a feeling you're going to agree with me with the next statement I, I'm going to say, and that is this, okay? It's not that I'm necessarily mad that Tom Brady has returned to the National Football League. You and I have talked about this a little bit on and off the airwaves about how we weren't fully positive or, or sure, for that matter, whether or not we knew he was fully retired. But one thing is for certain. I have come to dislike over the last few years, Rocky, the I love it all being about me, the making decisions that are about me. Those are the things that I don't like. And to me, when all is said and done, this smells, Rocky, it smells, it reeks of Tom Brady knew what he was doing the entire time and really just wanted all of the love, all of the people to say no, he could keep playing, debate about it, and then on Selection Sunday, like he didn't know what he was doing, Rocky, he writes the stupid tweet that he's coming back, like the 40 days he spent at home really changed his mind. I'm sorry, it, it, it stinks, Rock, a little bit like Mike Krzyzewski and Derek Jeter in here. Uh, well, unfortunately, in this kid's case, I can't agree with you. Wow. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't Tom Brady that orchestrated this entire thing. It was Adam Schefter, who took the same stance that you're talking about. The selfishness to be the number one sayer of the news prior to Tom Brady announcing any retirement, it was Adam Schefter and ESPN that announced that he was retiring. So if I'm Tom Brady, who is smart at marketing, why not play into it so I could do this? I don't think that this was Tom Brady's original plan until ESPN reported that he was retiring, and then he had to change change his outlook. What do you think about that? Wow, that is an interesting take. I don't not understand it, but do you really think that a guy with Tom Brady's stature would really care what ESPN's doing to the point where he would change? Like, do you think, if, he's, do you if, think he's that tight with Adam Schefter? If your if your if your analysis of Tom Brady is correct, which is this is a selfish Mike Krzyzewski type announcement, right? Right. Well, then, well, then, <laughs> then like, then he told Adam Schefter he was retiring. But like, if he didn't like, if he didn't care, like, if he wasn't going to retire, and if he was actually going to take the two months, yet ESPN said yo he's retiring well okay well then why not play into it yeah but like what's the like point? i don't understand like that's well, my point well what's the point well what's the point of you announcing someone's retirement the greatest football player of all time before they get a chance to to, to take that he he hasn't gotten a chance to retire on his own accord yet right so but so if i'm tom brady right you see what i'm saying like an espn announces that i'm retiring the first thing that would come out of my mouth is that's really funny that ESPN's making decisions about my career that I haven't made yet. And then I would squash it and I'd make ESPN look stupid and I'd move on. Why would well, now I? Now he is. Now he is. But he's not, though, because it, it, at the end of the day, it's just now it's just a story about how he's coming back. It has nothing to do with ESPN. So I we think. We haven't heard from him yet. We I haven't heard from him all, in an interview yet. This is, and this is why you I. Think might, all Tom Brady's camp. Nope. There's no doubt about it. 
Why would you I, I don't on dis- Sunday on Selection Sunday? It, it, you're Tom Brady. It's just like Derek Jeter. Mike, the reason why we have the argument with those guys is because, yo, you're powerful enough that you can actually make the decision to have a, a world tour end of the year thing, but that's also why you shouldn't do it. It's the same thing with Tom Brady. Tom, stop being a child. It's black and white. You, you're the best quarterback of all time. Just retire or don't. We don't need this BS like Brett Favre. And by the way, that hurt Brett Favre's legacy. Not saying he's doing the same thing, but what would that's why it stinks to high heaven to me. Not like the ESPN screwed up. I just think that's Adam Schefter trying to be the first to move, which isn't right in its own right. But I don't know. Stinks to me like Tom Brady is just like kind of loving the love right now. So he wants to keep having people love on him. No one. No one has actually believed that he is full, was fully retired. There wasn't one group of people that unanimous like that unanimously believed he was done since the day that Adam Schefter reported it, and then four days later after the Super Bowl, he like kind of confirmed. And since that day, no one has actually believed it because no one actually believed it from the get go. So the, the like. To squeeze him and force him to retire through reporting is what you did. You, he, you, I, agree, I, I, I don't I, understand listen. that take though. You don't. You see what I'm saying? I don't understand what that. What's that no benefit one, no for one, ESPN? No one expect. No one expected Kisevsky to, to announce retirement. He wasn't. Everyone just thought he was going to coach forever. He took it upon himself to let everyone know. Hey, just so just so you guys know, in 18 months, I'm going to be done. Right. So get get all your stuff prepared. Right in this case, Tom Brady went into the postseason, literally postseason, saying, "I don't know yet." However, before you could even finish the season, you made it like, "Hey, my sources are better than what the greatest football player of all time has said personally." I'm going to run with the story, and I'm going to force everyone to just say this guy's done. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I can't take it that I don't I don't agree with that at all. I can't. Um, I just think that that is reporting. Reporting is you're probably, if you're trying to be the first to report, you're probably going to sometimes be slightly quicker than the news cycle. Just like when a guy finds out he's getting traded via Twitter before it actually gets told to the human being in person. Like that's, that's different. They don't have a, dis- they don't, they don't get to, they don't get to choose if they get traded. Right. That's but, different. But if you're, Tom I get to Brady, choose when I retire, right. If he gets to choose when he retires. He should be given the right. If you respect the best football player of all time, regardless of your personal reporting stature, you should give that man the ability to make the announcement first and not let anyone else take that away from him. And I'm guarantee you that what, as, as good of a person Tom Brady is and, is and as respectful that he was to Adam Schefter without attacking him for doing that, there's still a part of him on the inside to all of your points of selfishness that says, I can't believe that this guy stole my retirement announcement from me. That should have been mine. I earned that. With all of my Super Bowls and my 20-year history of domination in the NFL, no one in the sport should have taken my retirement announcement away from me, which he had taken from him. Yeah, and I understand where you're coming from with that. I mean, in a way, like taking away the announcement. But, like, you're Tom Brady. So then you just you come out, you make Adam Schefter look like an a-hole. You say, hey, I don't know what this guy Schefter is talking about. 
but this isn't even close to true. I haven't made a decision yet. You guys can all sit on your throne. Wait, wait for me. I'm going to go sit on my throne for a little bit, and I'll let you know what I'm doing in 30, 40, 50 days. Comes back and says, hey, I'm returning. Or, hey, guys, I'm going to do a press conference with the Buccaneers and then does his retirement. Like you're not, I bet if you went back to the annals of everything that you looked at and with a professional athlete that didn't announce like Krzyzewski or Jeter but was retiring at the end of the year, there were probably reports prior to that person announcing, Hall of Famer or not, yeah, that said, I yeah, think he's yeah. going to. The, re- the reports were there's a news conference at 3 o'clock for Tom Brady to announce his retirement. That's what the reports were. It wasn't. Tom Brady has announced his retirement. We have zero word from Tom Brady. No, in the past, it's, hey, at 2 o'clock, you're going to hear from XYZ player because they're going to announce their retirement. That was the reporting in the past. I just don't find it. I just don't see this as being something that was he's coming back for another year just so he can retire on his own. I just don't think that that's – No, I don't don't think so either, but I don't think that you can put – the Krzyzewski type style blame on him because of that, because of that. But I can just because, right? And this is why, whether you're right, I'm right, or we're both wrong and it's somewhere in the middle. Why I'm putting the Krzyzewski type blame on him, Rock, is because at the end of the day, it still stinks of selfishness. Like if you weren't retiring, have said you weren't retiring. Don't put out a thank you to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't put out a whole written thing like your career is over. Just say, hey, Adam Schefter is wrong. I haven't made a decision yet. Leave me alone. That's, that's my problem with it. He retired himself. He did the writing. Okay. He pretended like he was done. And I get it. You know, things change or whatever. But then, then and I just think it's funny, then it's just like a quick tweet, hey, I'm coming back, by the way. It just, it all, I don't know. It just all felt to me like it was all calculated. Tom wanted to get a bunch of love, have everyone loving on him, and then then make everyone love him again, and then bounce it right back and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to come back. I, I don't know if everyone loved him. I, uh, I got to be honest with you. Not everyone loved Compa- him. That's probably true. Comparative, comparative to Jeter and comparative to Krzyzewski, I think that Brady has gotten the least amount of love out of those three. And since the, I want to call it, what, 2008 season, 2007 season, when they first stopped winning the first three Super Bowls that they won when he became the quarterback, think about it. I mean, 10 years ago, they were telling me that this guy should retire when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, when they drafted Matt Castle, right? And you had these guys behind Brady. Like, they were literally, they've been telling me that Brady's been done four Super Bowl wins ago. Like, he's literally been the guy that's like, no, this guy is just not as good as everyone thinks he is. His entire career. So, you know, a part of that has got to be, whereas Krzyzewski has been the guy his entire career, Jarek was the guy his entire career, everyone bowed down to it, and then they just let it get too big, right? Like, and by the way, like, I, I don't disagree with you. Like, yeah, like, this is, this is, this is fanfare. Like, he's... You know, he's playing into it now. Like, now he's just, you know, like, why not? I'm Tom Brady. I can do this. Like, why wouldn't I go take advantage of it? I get it. But, like, when you look at the history of likeness, he has probably been liked the least by both the news media and fans. Whereas I think most of all fans outside of UNC have a level of – had a level of respect for Krzyzewski that they didn't give to Brady. 
Yeah, no, you know what? That's a really great point. And I would also go to say, uh, and we talked about this, I know, a little bit last week with Krzyzewski, but it's almost like, for me, the way I see it is as Mike Krzyzewski goes farther and farther away from his coaching career at Duke, right, and Tom Brady goes farther and farther away from his playing career in the NFL, Tom Brady's going to become more loved over time, whereas I feel like Mike Krzyzewski's going to become less loved over time because you've already started to see it, and, and, and I'm one of them, right? Like, I've always been a defender of him, and then over the time of us kind of analyzing his career, it's almost like him announcing he's retiring and us looking into all of the things he's done over his career has actually opened the door for more head-scratching what type of dude is this. And I think at least what I learned over the last 40 days that quote-unquote Tom Brady was retired is all the people that really you were talking about hated him or, or disliked him compared to the other guys over the course of their career, I feel like we're starting to garner like love for him or like really started to appreciate what he did and stopped because you, you thought, well, he can't hurt me anymore, right? He's not in the league, so I can really love his career. And so that's how I see Tom Brady's post-retirement. And I don't know, maybe just I just don't like in general too. I just don't like the retire, don't retire thing. Like, just shut up then. Uh, yeah. Don't say agree. anything. Like, every sport, yeah, not just Tom Brady, you know, Rock. Like, every athlete, if, you, if you're on the fence, just shut your mouth, go be with your family, go spend your off season, do whatever you want to do, and then just come back and tell us if you're retiring or not. But the retire, no retire thing, but it hasn't put in the paperwork yet, it's like that, that, that's probably why, to finish the conversation, it gives me uh, annoying pause. Because I, it just it, those things always to me feel like somebody just wanting attention on themselves and not actually trying to make a decision that would be the decision for their career. Agreed, agreed. I, I don't like the flip flopping either. You know, like it's l- let's just like and and again, like I, I'll say, like I I really do think it starts with the with with the reporting. Like it it, it just it gave him it gave him the ability to do the flip flop. Because, I mean, think about it. You reported that a week after the season. Yeah, the guy's beat up. He just lost in the divisional round of the playoffs. Like, it's his 24th year in the league. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, he was probably at that moment. Like, yeah, I'm probably done with this. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even give him a chance. Yeah. So, you know. You know, at first I didn't – I really was on the other side of agreeing with you, not even close to it. But, you, you know, over the course of that debate, you really, you really changed my mind there. So I credit you with that one. Well, because I don't disagree. You know, you know me. Like I'm like the anti, like you know, like all about the. I'm like the all about the team. You know, classic fan. I'm just, you know, I just don't. Uh, you know, I just, I, I just didn't like. You didn't give him a chance to to just take on that persona when you took it away from him. I'm, I'm telling you, all retirements in the past, like the first report is, hey, this guy's retiring. Here's the press conference, and then you all tune in the press conference, and they get to they get to read a letter that they wrote to the fans and everything. Like, you knew Eli was retiring, and then you paid attention to the press conference because he told them that he was retiring. Here's when I'm announcing it. Not, hey, just to let everyone know, Tom Brady's retiring. Everyone reach out to him on Twitter, say thank you for everything. Oh, my God, watching you play was amazing. This guy's career was this. What is his legacy going to be? Blah, blah, blah. By the way, Tom actually hasn't told us he's retiring himself. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's exactly how it went down. This is the Rome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV, Channel 761, Facebook, 
YouTube, Twitter, live, Andrew Romanella on the line is Rocky Romanella. And, Rock, a lot of things happened over the last week, including what we just talked about with Tom Brady. But there were some other big quarterback trades. The baseball lockout ended, and we are inching closer to the tip-off of the 68-team March Madness bracket in Division One men's and women's basketball. And your favorite segment, Hockey with Rocky, we want to dive into as well. So we can go uh, uh, an array of locations right now. Where would you like to go? We got to talk about baseball before I get into Hockey with Rocky. Okay. And, and like, because baseball shocked both of us last night. Yeah, they did. I really, I thought we were missing games, man. I did not think that this CBA was going to get signed. And not only did it get signed, but it also got signed for 162. They're not even missing a game. I, that that to me is crazy, and they're expanding the playoffs. So, like, are we going to be playing baseball at Thanksgiving? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Well, so here's, and this is the this is the interesting thing about it, right? Because they had moved the baseball start date up two years ago. I believe it was the, I think the first year they did it was the COVID season. But I'm not positive. That's kind of the least of the important part of it. The bottom line is they had moved it up to avoid what Rocky's talking about, which was a really terrible situation that had been going on in baseball for a minute, which was like the World Series ending in like the first week of November. What? And snow in some cases. Yeah, and snow. I thought you said no, and I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and and snow in some cases. And and it just – so baseball moved the beginning of the regular season up. So that is why this year, prior to the lockout, there was a March 1st – or excuse me, a March 31st start date. So now, Rocky, what I am anticipating is it's going to be like the scenario that used to exist where we're now, yeah, probably going to get the World Series at the end of October, first week of November. And I don't necessarily like that, but I think in, in this case, you'd, well, you're just happy to have the whole season. Well, well the, listen, the World Series is always played late in October. So like that, that I'm not, you know, but, but, but here, here's my thing. Now that so I have two questions for you, because I don't, one thing I don't understand and one, I just want your opinion on. So I'm going to ask you your opinion first. Does this mean, and now that the National League has now adopted a designated hitter, is it possible that we start seeing neutral site World Series series? No, absolutely not. Why would you ever do that? What sport would ever do that? Uh, every well, the NFL does a neutral site Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Could you see a neutral site World Series? No, because it's a series. So you, you, the whole point. So of, you play seven games in the ballpark in Arlington. No, what I'm saying no, because you're. It's the tickets. It's the money that that, that organization is making from that home game. Like that's the whole idea. Besides the fact that you want home field advantage and you want more of your fans at the stadium than the other team's fans, you're playing a... Are you are you getting the best baseball product if you're playing in 32-degree weather when you played 120 games, 100 games, in 60 degrees plus, and you're going to take the two best teams in the entire league and make them play in freezing cold baseball weather? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't disagree that the weather sucks, but that is what it is. Like, if you want to be the Boston Red Sox and make the World Series and be the best team in the league, that means you're, when you go play in Boston, it's just like when you, if I was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I have to go play 
the whatever teams in freezing cold weather in the postseason, am I getting the best football product? Probably not because you can barely throw the football. It's seven degrees outside. But you're in Green Bay. And I argue that. Well, I, I I argue that on time. Uh, game like if I'm playing in Green Bay, the NFL should make that game at one o'clock. It should have make it at eight o'clock. Right, but you're like I I, I, series, I agree with that. with a series. You can't do that. Like then, then there's zero. Then, well, then what's the point of being the home team? What's the there's no such because thing. in because in baseball you get the you get the home team advantage naturally. You're last up regardless of where you're playing. Right, and but that's not the only reason why you want home field so, advantage. You want the fans. So now you want I'm the money. Think- so now I'm thinking about now I'm thinking about improvements to the game, and now how, why, and this is my this is the and I'm going to tie this together because this is what I don't understand about the CBA. Why are we still talking about pitch clocks? Right, we're talking about pitch clocks. We're talking about shortening games, and we're talking about making rules, making the bases bigger. So we're talking about a pitch clock, which has already been in. We're talking about making bases bigger, and we've now already shortened double headers. So now we're more interested in changing the actual gameplay versus like a neutral site at the World Series to make sure people are playing in warm weather. No, but see, How this is, is but this is what you're missing. First off, double headers are now nine innings, not seven. That was a part of the new CBA, so they're back to regular. There's no well, that's annoying. That was actually a good change. There's but the the reason why it was the players that wanted it because you gotta they're losing out on abs, they're losing out on money, and they were counting stats the same. They weren't getting saves though, so it's a whole problem with the statistics, which is why they changed that. But so the basis thing is stupid. I don't understand it. I I, I agree. But your argument for the neutral site World Series is actually going to also be a killer of the game of baseball. Right now, baseball is a regional sport, okay? So if I am a fan of the Tampa Bay Rays, 90% of my fan base is going to live in that area. If I'm a fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers, 90% of my fan base is in that area. So if I'm going to host a World Series and be the home team, I'm going to lose half of those fans that actually care because I'm going to Arlington when maybe those people would want to come to the game or spend money on the game, which is exactly what we need, gate fees, so my team can make m- keep making money and I can play payoff, playoff bonuses to my players. So the whole World Series thing, I get the warm weather concept that you're talking about, but that's every sport, man. Like, even, like... That is every sport besides the Super Bowl. That's it. Okay, so the Super Bowl is the one event where they kind of combine it, which I think is kind of dumb to begin with, too. Like, the team that is the best team overall, highest seeded, should have some type of advantage. My advantage in baseball is that I get to hit last, I get to pitch first, I get to hit last, and I get all of my fans in that building, per se. With the pitch clock, the problem with the pitch clock is that they don't actually – Enforce it if, and we, and, and this is a big thing for me when I'm actually coaching baseball. I put a stopwatch on my pitchers. The minute they get the ball back from the catcher, they have to throw the ball in 15 seconds or less because it is the pace that makes it uncomfortable for the hitter. If the umpires just actually enforce the 20 second clock rule, the g- whole game would be better. But it is the, 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 the between the pitchers and all the BS that they think they have to do to throw the ball and the hitters and all the crap they think they have to do to step out of the box, walk six feet, adjust all this crap on their bo- It's all of that stuff is actually, yeah, it is an actual problem, and it does slow the game down. The big bases, I agree, stupid. 
Don't understand that. Makes no sense. I like the two seven double. That, in my opinion, it made the game more exciting. But unfortunately, the players don't like that. And I can't agree with you on the World Series thing because it's a series. It makes no sense. It's not just one game. So you have to be able in baseball as a regional sport to give your regional fans the chance to go to that contest. Well, it was just an opinion question. So all good. But the the, the clock thing, the only reason I don't understand it is because there's already a clock. So what's going to change if if they say, okay, now you enforce it? Like, I just don't understand well, like, how that was on – but yeah, I agree. It's like the whole like, thing. Why is, is that even a part of the agreement? Like it's 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 there. It's not used. Why is it going to change now? It's not going. The, the thing is, it all comes down to the umpires and like, are they actually going to enforce this? Like, are you? If oh, on opening day, it takes Jacob Degrom twenty five seconds in between pitches. Are you the umpire going to have enough goyons? To look at Jacob Degrom and say it is now a one and zero count because you took too long. No, you're not, because they as umpires aren't actually good enough to be enforced. That's the pro- the problem in li- right there, is that they don't know how to enforce the rule because baseball has fallen into this category of, well, I'll give this strike call to this guy because he's been in the league for 15 years, but you're a rookie, so you deserve to get called that strike on. All of those dumb things are, are the problem as to why this rule won't matter at all. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. At the beginning, so, so the NHL is cracking down on cross-checking this year, and so they had one of the former referees in the booth at the beginning of the season, actually it was in the preseason, talking about the cross-checking and, and what to look for and, and why. And so they asked, they're like, so listen, like, do you think that you know, this is going to affect the players, blah, blah, blah. And, and his response was, and this is a referee, his response was, honestly, like, the players have always been great. We've been, we've been putting in different rule changes now over the course, you know, however long, and the players adjust. So, you know, if there is something that we start calling heavily, they'll figure out a new way to get what they want and inside the, the, the confines of the rules. And so they do a good job. And it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about how the umpires are going to – the umpires in baseball are instituting a hierarchy, you know, no different than you would see, you know, rookies versus veterans uh, inside a locker room. And you're saying that the umpires in baseball are going to cater into that the same way uh, that, that you would, you know, going up through a team, which is interesting. So that, that's what I was thinking about what you're saying there. Well, I think hockey is the most unique sport in that way where there's actually legitimately a respect level between player and referee. Like, you'll see players shake the hands of the referee after a game. Like, and it's like a commonplace in, in the National Hockey League. And I think that is why you get hockey is the best officiated sport because there is a true respect between the two. So, yeah, so, and so before we get into to the hockey with Rocky, like outside of like bases, pitch clock, nine innings versus seven innings, designated hitter, I love what else was actually what else was actually solved? I mean, they solved some international draft rules, some compensation for free agents, uh, some arbitration stuff. They increased the minor league minimum pay scale, um, the luxury tax, like so all of that, all of the stuff that in theory doesn't necessarily really affect the fans, more affects the players and the owners and how business operates. Um, 
those were were the primary things that they had to lock in because the players felt like if all of those things were locked in, you'll start to get more competitive balance in baseball. And after watching it all and reading it all, Rocky, and I kind of, I guess I individually kind of feel this way, right? Like, I feel like all that the players are trying to do is trend towards equal pay, not any, uh, not equal in terms of everyone gets paid the same, but equal to what you deserve. How about that? I should say it that way. And competitive balance. They're almost tired of, hey, these 12 teams are just going to be brutally bad. These 12 teams are going to be insanely good. And then eight teams are going to fluctuate, which is cool, but it's not really good enough to make this an interesting league and not really good enough to get us all paid when we need to. I don't know. That's what I felt like they were fighting for the most. So in in, in five years when the CBA runs out, is the game going to be better or exactly the same with us having the same conversations about length of game, how to improve it, what can you change to get more fan interaction, et cetera, et cetera? If I was a betting man, I would say that the game is going to stay the same. The, uh, I don't know, the, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Like the person that is overly optimistic inside of me, the baseball fan inside of me wants to tell you that the pitch clock will be uh, instituted and the game will be moving nice and quick and the DH and the NL will make it fun and all of those things. But with Rob Manfred as the commissioner of the, the um, of Major League Baseball, Rock, I just I just don't see it changing. I don't I don't see it changing because also I feel like the players will stick their foot in the ground and act like idiots just to stick it to the owners. And we got a little bit of a glimpse of that during the CBA negotiations. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's gonna change at all either. I, I don't think it's I don't so know if sad. the game it's just sad. I don't think I don't know if the game got any better through this. The I only thing that got right. better is what the players get out of this CBA. Yes, yeah. The players have a have, have better business. They have a better business acumen now. So they they made business they made their they, they held strong to their business and they it's like they both both sides agreed and even the players were like, Listen you guys need to take care of us on the budget sheet and with money with money, right? Like we're cool punting on all of the game changes. As long as you guys meet us somewhere that we want to be from a monetary standpoint, because we actually want to play. So like we're cool punting on any of the rule changes. If you are just meet us with where the money is and we're good. That's kind of how it went in my opinion. Yeah. I, I did. I'll stand, I'll stand by it, man. Like if, if they really found a way to get it to be quicker between the batter hitter interaction, not to the point of almost uncomfort stupidity, but almost like the pace that you and I used to play wiffle ball with in, in Long Beach Island, like that would be a way more entertaining product. And you don't necessarily have to do much to the game. I mean, the shift thing's kind of crazy. I don't know if that ultimately is enough, though. To make the game more exciting, it, I mean, if you think about it, right? It Rocky? doesn't. It's not. It's not. Doesn't no, it it's not going to change the way. Doesn't it slow it's, it exactly, down? It's not going <laughs> to. Yes, because it's not going to change the way they approach. Like, right. If I approach and there's no shift, I'm a hundred percent going to do exactly what I want to do. <laughs> when I go up against the shift now, I'm only ninety percent because it's like there's ten percent of me that's like, oh man, my like eighth grade baseball coach should tell me I should bunt this down the left field line. <laughs> right. Like, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I thought about that. Like when I saw that they banned the shift, I said to myself, "In theory, now that that hard smoke dr- line drive at a hundred feet 
that ends up being a one-hopper to the deep right fielder shortstop guy is now actually a single or a double, and now you are actually, which is cool. Like, I'm cool. I love offense. Like, you don't, you don't necessarily need to make changes for me to continue to watch baseball, but I could see why if it's 9-8 in the sixth inning and it's 9-30 at night, you'd be good with the rest of that game regardless of the outcome. Yeah, I just think the irony is incredible. Like, we've all decided that this is a hitter's paradise. It's a hitter's <laughs> game. Like, we're done. But, like, by the way, like, hitters, like, we're asking you to be better than you already are. And you're just like, nah, I don't want to be that much better. Yeah. No, and, and also, like, by the way. No, I don't want to try and hit that. Like, I, I, I could sit here. I could sit here in the cage during TV and be like, coach is like, all right, you need to hit two to the opposite field. You need to hit two to the right field. You need two down the middle. And they could do it. Yeah, they could go six for six every time. But, like, in the game, meh, I don't want to try and hit it to the opposite field. I'm yeah. just going to crank this ball as hard as I can. <laughs> and, but, and the funny part about it is, like, let's be real, Rock. You're not winning a championship in Major League Baseball without pitching. So we can't, we're making all these changes, right, for the hitters. But at the end of the day, it's always going to be pitching that wins you a championship. You can't do it yeah, without pitching. Here, here, here's an outside-the-box idea on how to make the game better. Okay. What if after what if after the third, the sixth, and the eighth inning, or the second, the fourth, and the seventh, like whatever inning, like what happens if instead of those innings going immediately to commercial, right, at three to five times during the game, you said, hey, little league change, you get onto the field, you get ready, you play, and rather than going to a full two-and-a-half-minute commercial break, you go side-by-side side screen while the players are warming up, and the game starts rapidly. Agreed. The game starts a minute. Like, what if you did something like that? Like, Agreed. You know, why do you have to change, you know? I'm going to take it from your NASCAR. I'm going to take it from your NASCAR. Watching NASCAR, they always do the split screen of the cars are still racing, and you can see who's in the lead, but they're running, like, the progressive commercial on the left-hand side. I think golf does it a lot, too where, like, you're watching the golf championships and they'll put the commercial on the side, that you can, you can combine the both. So then the benefit to the people in the stadium is, nice, I get a new inning of baseball in f- literally 30 seconds, and the benefit to the people on TV is, okay, well, the, the advertisers can still make their money, the, the, the TV networks can still make their money on commercials, and the viewer at home doesn't feel like, every five minutes they have to wait three and a half minutes to watch what they want to watch and i think that that would yeah. be a huge change to the viewership of the game yeah even i, I wouldn't even mind if i watched a couple pitches and side by side i don't think anyone would if oh, they're not yeah. missing like the, the commercials going on like while yeah. yeah i don't yeah. think a problem at all not at all not at all i don't yeah but if the game is and by the way it makes the person at home even if the game, at the end of the day, like, you're not going to improve the time of the game that much, but I guarantee you, psychologically, it makes you think the game is going faster because you're watching less non-baseball things. Oh, yeah. I, I, could, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and so in, in, in college, Rock, so the, the rule in, in professional and college baseball is when you first enter the game, you get eight warm-up pitches, right? So first inning is a starter, first inning is a reliever, coming out of the bullpen. But every subsequent inning after that, you only get five warm-up pitches, okay? So that in, that in turn right there limits the amount of time. Now, with the college game, the umpire holds a stopwatch out there. Again, 50% of them actually uh, enforce it and 50% of them don't. But for the most part, we're all on the clock. 
five warm-up pitches, the entire team out there, and, dude, the, the batter has to be in the box, and the pitcher has to be on the rubber by the time the clock hits 130. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Even when the umpires don't enforce it, our game is moving because the pitchers don't want to go down 1-0 because of the four or five umpires that have actually called it against people in our time. It really benefits and speeds the game up. Well, now think, you add an extra minute of time to that with professional baseball. So if there are 18 switchovers during the course of a nine-inning game, you're talking about adding 18 more minutes by naturally just giving them an extra minute on the warm-up tosses. That, to me right there, is, look at that, you take, that's what you're talking about. If you eliminate that 18 minutes, I mean, really, what's the difference between a game ending at 10 o'clock and a game ending at 9.42? Not an insane amount, except to the baseball fan that really wants the game to go faster, that'll change their whole outlook on baseball. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, and again, to your point, it's on the umpires to enforce the rules. They have to. And the, umpires, and the umpires can enforce the rules and still have the players at the forefront of the gameplay if they do it the right way because we see it in other sports. And that will be my transition to hockey with Rocky, my friend. Now, inside the glass, hockey with Rocky. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hockey with Rocky. My name is Kevin Weeks. Just kidding, it's Rocky Romano. Now I'm inside the glass. Oh, you stop that. Former goalie, so Kevin Weeks. That's right. That's right. Big time on, uh, big time on the uh, on the broadcast on TNT now. He, he's all over the place. So he's he's all over everywhere. But um, so or NHL Network, not TNT. Anyways, three things for you. Number one, last week the Rangers played the Minnesota Wild in Minnesota. I, for the life of me, I I, I was I, I forgot to look it up this morning, but I sent you the tweet. But. Uh, head referee and a linesman. Uh, it was there. They were they're retiring this year. And at the end of the game, you saw both the New York Rangers and the Minnesota Wild skate over to these guys, shake their hands, say thank you, congratulations on a great career, and and one of the more incredible things that you would see in sports comparative to anywhere else. And we just talked about this, and it's all that's a great transition out of you, real professional stuff, my man. But that's <laughs> literally what we just talked about. It's it's the fact that there's so much respect between officials and players in the National Hockey League. Every other league should do a report on it, should analyze it, figure out how it exists, and start changing their leagues to do the same way. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's, it's, it, was, and it, was, it was funny to see. And, and there's such a – we talk about it all the time. There's, there's such a respect amongst the referees and the players. But, hey, the referee's job is, is to help police the game. Like, and in hockey, for whatever reason – there's not this want to be inside the game. Like, yeah, listen, every now and then you, you've got a couple of referees take a take a stance that they don't need to take, take, and they just get so invested in monitoring the game that they just call a ridiculous amount of penalties. But most of the time, like you're seeing, like a shared a shared like, hey, 
we've got to, like, this is best for the game today. Like, that's why I'm making this call. Like, and I'll be consistent as long as you just don't don't get in my face about it. Yes. <laughs> right. That's that's it. And I'm gonna make it. And I'm gonna make it so that by the end of this first period, right, going into intermission, you're gonna say this is an evenly called game, and there's a good flow and good pace. And that's that's what every yeah. NHL official and wants from the, the guys thinking about them in the intermission. And and you've seen a lot of rule changes over the last five to ten years. I mean, the hooking penalties. I mean, the second your stick goes vertical, it goes horizontal to the ice, and yeah. they're calling it. Like, now with the cross-checking and all of the rules that the referees have been tasked to enforce have actually been enforced. And even the, the people at the beginning who don't like it, like, everyone has now adjusted. And, again, the reason that the rules are being changed for two reasons. A, right to in, in, improve the skill set of the game so the hooking penalties went in so that there would be less stick work and more more skill-based play so like you know you couldn't just you could just put your stick on someone's arm and just like pull their arm away like you had to skate fast enough to catch them right so that's a skill gap right right there like i'm too slow i'm gonna pull you down versus like everyone's got to be fast right so that's an improvement to the game and then like this year right the cross checking right that rule is put in place to protect players, right? And so, you know, in two stances, like the game, the game's improvement is overall the number one reason why. And it's not about it had nothing to do with fan share. It had everything to do with the game itself. And that's where I think baseball makes its mistakes. Everything is about how do we make this better for viewership, but is it better for players? Is it better for the actual gameplay? And I think there's the discrepancy. I don't know if that's that that's true or not. No, but it makes sense. And I never really thought about the hooking example until you described it right there. Like in the onset, it feels like the NHL is just being nitpicky with their penalty calls. But in the long term, as you described it, the game gets better because somebody that may have been utilizing something that's now considered a hook their entire career to be a better defenseman is now getting blown out of the water because that same hook that they used to maybe slow a guy down that wasn't considered a penalty is now a penalty and is putting their team at a five-on-four disadvantage. And I think right. that is where also when you talk about more excitement in other sports, and we'll stay on baseball because that's been our topic, if you start speeding up the game, you're also going to see, I just thought of this, a change in talent level. Because are you a guy that can handle throwing two pitches in less than 30 seconds? Are you a hitter that can handle seeing 95 two times in a row in less than 30 seconds? And you'll start to really separate and make a talent gap. And hockey, we've said this a bunch, and, and maybe it is because of the way they changed the rules. It's only gotten faster in the last 10 years. Like, I always say this to you. I feel yeah. like you'd be a professional hockey player now because you were almost playing this game 10 years ago. Yeah, well, I, well let's not go that far. <laughs> but the point, the point is, and for those with context, like on the hooking thing, just so everyone understands it better, right? Like, the rule of thumb was always, if your feet were moving, you could hook someone. Right. So, like, I could be slower than you, but because I was trying to catch you, I could hook you. Right. But if I was just hooking you and I was like just holding on like I was riding a dog sled, like, OK, no, that was that was a penalty. And that's, that's how it was. Ne 
then like the change in rules said, hey, even if you're skating and you're hooking someone, you're still hooking someone. Yeah. So like, right. so so the the ideology becomes like, isn't it better to see two athletes skating as fast as they can in dead out competition, one with the puck and one without it, to see who's faster and who can defend properly versus, hey, who can get close enough to adjust the speed of the other person with their stick, and so that's where the skill improves. And so just to, I just felt like that, that, that could help some of our non-hockey-playing viewers, you know, understand the differences in, in what we're talking about. It's education and it's entertainment here on Hockey with Rocky. So the second thing I had for you today was yesterday the, the, uh, the third outdoor game was played. It was the Canadian version, the Heritage Classic, which was, has, has been being played for a long time now. I think the Heritage Classic was being played uh, before uh, even the Winter Classic, and so we played the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Buffalo Sabres, and they played in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, Hamilton is pretty much 45 minutes to an hour from Buffalo and 45 minutes to an hour from Toronto, where there's a true mix of fanship. So um, from a rivalry standpoint, it made sense. What I think is hilarious is, of all of the outdoor venues, this is easily the most underwhelming. <laughs> so why maybe they just chose it because the location of Canada in Canada? I, I, I don't know why, but they played at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. By the way, it's Tim Hortons Field gets the nickname of the of the of the stadium. Uh, is it coffee? No, I, I don't even know. What would it, what would it be? The nickname is the Donut Box. <laughs> Oh, that's the best thing I've heard. That is literally the best thing I've heard all day. The donut box. It's got to be a home. If I'm, if I, if I was guessing, it's got to be a home to like a CFL team, right, or something like that. Yep, a home of the Hamilton Tiger Cats okay. of the Canadian Football League and of the uh, Forge FC of the Canadian Premier League Tim from from soccer standpoint. Hortons Field. So Tim Hortons here's Field. The irony. Nicknamed the donut so box. That's <laughs> So, he, so here's the irony for me of the whole thing. Like, okay, you've got uh, the Winter Classic was uh, in Minnesota this year, right? Which was you know awesome, and you've got the Stadium Series, which is played in Nashville. Right. Two massive stadiums, right? Thousands of people there. The stadium, you know, there's there's you know the the field in in uh, in Tennessee looked like a guitar, like. You had all of this cool outdoorsy stuff in Minnesota where people were ice fishing and they were doing all this stuff in the field and there was like a whole ecosystem of people happening on the field while the game was being played. It was this whole experience. And then you go to a seemingly Texas-style high school football stadium that doesn't wrap around. It's that got stands great, on either side. exactly what it looks like. <laughs> And, it, and it's not even filled. It wasn't even sold out for a Canadian hockey game where the Leafs are playing. It was just, I don't know. I, I thought the atmosphere was, was, I was surprised by the lack of, of like, the no sellout plus, like, the underwhelmingness of the stadium. But I guess that's what makes it more authentic. Well, I, I guess the underwhelmingness of the stadium doesn't bother me as much. It would almost be cooler than a regular stadium if it was sold out. But to me, Rock... This just feels like hockey fans are just are kind of 
over the outdoor thing. Like, not over it, like, don't ever bring it back again, but, like, and I said this to you a month or so ago, to, to have three of them in a year, it almost kind of dilutes the coolness of it. And, like, wh- why am I going to go out to the donut box and freeze my body off to watch two teams that maybe I'm not fully engaged in or I'm a Canadian or I'm a fan of another Canadian team? You know, like, I don't know. Like, the Sabres, is that even that exciting to begin with anyways? So Well, no, the, no, the Sabres suck. This right. Year. The Sabres won the game. And it's the Maple Leafs are really good. <laughs> yeah, but the Leafs are really good. I mean, they're like I know, they're like one of the better, but don't you better teams in the NHL. And it's in Canada. It's in Canada. I know, but it's not in Toronto. Yeah, but it's in Hamilton, which is like the home of one of the greatest hockey movies of all time in Youngblood. Nah, I mean, hockey, I agree. like there's there's hockey nostalgia in Hamilton all over the place, and the, you're in Ontario. You're an hour from Toronto. Like yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, and, and by saying. the way, upstate New York is a huge – you're in a hockey hotbed. Like, the reason that no one's going to the game is, is I don't know why. It's because I think you, it's like overdone. It, yeah, but the Heritage Classic has been being played every year for a long time. That's like a staple in – that's like a staple. In Canada or in the National Hockey League? Both. Well, you know, then there's no excuse. The Canadian fans need to get out there and do it, do their stuff. But like, <laughs> for me, they're not blaming this on marketing. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I don't know. But that also could be it too, though. That's actually, yeah, I know you're kind of kidding, but maybe you're kind of right. Like, maybe they just dropped the ball on getting people outside of Buffalo and Toronto to go to this game, which ultimately is what would have made it a sellout. Or, or maybe they just pick a bad venue. You know what? Like, let's, why let's am I going chalk- to the donut box? We're gonna ch- we're gonna chalk it up to the Buffalo Sabers being in this game. We're gonna chalk it up to choosing the donut box, and we're gonna chalk it up to it being March thirteenth on a Sunday when they played this game. As to the three reasons why it probably did not get the draw and attendance it was hoping for. Yeah, you should probably put this game in February when there's yeah. not the NCAA selection show yeah. plus. But again, we're talking Canada, so I don't know. Number Major three. League, Major League Baseball? <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, follow 12-ounce sports. You get a ton of, you get you a ton of lacrosse information. You do. I'm up to date. I feel like I'm up to date on the lacrosse <laughs> stuff, thanks to following the, the, the 12 OZ guys. Exactly. Um, I get a ton of information from 12 OZ. I kind of love it. Um, it really helps me out, actually. Um, number three, trade deadline next Monday. Very exciting stuff. The Colorado Avalanche, Gabriel Landeskog, out with an apparent knee injury. I think it's a knee injury. Um, you had the goaltender in Darcy Kemper um, get hurt. I think it was him that got hurt. Uh, I can't remember one of their goalies got hurt. But the Avalanche, got to pay attention because they're supposed to win a President's Trophy, be a very, very big cup favorite. So that injury is interesting. A lot of trade, random trade rumors are coming through. I heard a rumor that the Rangers might be making a play for Patrick Kane, which I don't necessarily know if I agree with. I mean, I would love it, but, like, I would be afraid of who we give up. Um, a lot of talk, like, is Philip Forsberg on the market from Nashville? Is he not? You know, where is Mark Giordano in the Seattle Kraken going to land? Would he go back to the Flames and help them on their looks like going to be a playoff run as they find themselves in the first place in the Pacific Division. Uh, that would make a ton of sense to me. Or is he on the move to another team? Is is Mark andre Fleury in Chicago going to go to a cup contender 
to try and win one more before he's he's done. He's got a handful of years left in him as he's at the end of his career. So a lot of big questions this week that hopefully will be answered as the trade deadline is looming in the NHL. I am the most interested about the Mark Andre Fleury and what the Rangers do. The Rangers merely because I get the entertainment of you. The Mark Andre Fleury because I was reading a report the other day that the Washington Capitals may believe that they have to look at a goaltender or that might be a move they have to make to be a competitor in this postseason. And there was this whole debate about if the Caps were to look to get Marc-Andre Fleury, being that Marc-Andre Fleury is a true Pittsburgh Penguin at heart, won't winning two cups with the Penguins, and that apparently Marc-Andre Fleury has alluded to wanting to end his career back in Pittsburgh, would the Caps trade for him? And would Andre Marc-Andre Fleury say no because he doesn't want to have to go be a Cap and go back to being a Penguin? I found that really interesting because, like, I didn't know that that was really a thing. <laughs> well, uh, with Marc-Andre Fleury, and, and I, got about, I got about literally, like, two minutes here. Um, with Marc-Andre Fleury... It's actually more about his personal life. I guess. I guess his family has moved. His kids are in school in Chicago, and ah. so his big move. So it has more to do with like if he's going, they better be. They better be a top contender. Like sure. he's not going to a 16 seed. He's right. going to one through eight, yeah. right? And so that's so. I, the article I read was more about like, hey, is he going to be willing to make the move based on his, his family? Um, and it better be worth it because. And if he and if he goes. Like he needs to be at a place that he's going to stay at because his family will then move with him in the summer. That, as well. I, so I he, guess he that's what they were talking about. Is but at the same time, I guess he's also said if he had the chance to end his career in Pittsburgh, he'd like to. So it's very interesting stuff. You, those are things you don't think about around the trade deadline. No, no, and and, and like you know, is is I, and I don't know who the backup goalie for the Penguins is, but like, is that someone who has trade value? And you know. Like, for example, like the Rangers, like Alexander Georgiev is said to be a trade option because he could be a starter somewhere else if sure. Shesterkin wasn't the number one goaltender. So you would then have to get a backup goaltender. So someone like a Marc-Andre Fleury would be an incredible get, right? Because if, you were, if you're a believer in your system underneath, but you wanted someone with playoff experience, God forbid Shesterkin got hurt when you were in there, he would be a perfect guy to back him up. Right. Is, that, is that something that the Penguins have? I don't, I don't know. So that is hockey with Rocky. As I got to get going, Chase Briscoe won. Chase Briscoe won the uh, NASCAR Cup Series win in uh, Phoenix yesterday. Very exciting race. Please hit me with a where to go to college or prep school before I go, because I don't want to lose out. Where did he play junior hockey? Wayne Simmons. Ah, Wayne Simmons. Just Maybe Wayne Simmons played. Maybe Wayne Simmons played – so the league is the OHL. That is correct. Yeah. And I want to say that Wayne Simmons played for the London Knights. Wayne Simmons did not play for the London Knights. Oh. I'm not going to lie. I, I wrote it down. I didn't write it down because I was like, dude, this is going to be so hard for him to get. It is hard. If, if I um, – but hold on. I have it up here. Two seconds. It is – he played for the – Owen Sound Attack. Oh, the Owen Sound. And then he also had a stint with the Salt Stay Mary Greyhounds. It's the Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah, him too. <laughs> yeah. 
two Saint Marie. Yeah, but, but you know, six and eight, five five week uh, correct streak here on the uh, where do you go to play junior college slash hockey slash prep school? Yeah, no, I like it. That's I like great it. It's a stuff. fun segment for me. I feel I feel way more confident with that. No, nah, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Well, hey, we, we always we always appreciate the knowledge, the insight, the the excitement you bring to the airwaves. Yeah, we appreciate you, and I gotta apologize to the to the Sapiens for being late this morning. You know, I, I missed I missed my invite by ten. Hey, that's okay because I if you if you didn't hear what I had to talk about, I think you'll really appreciate me going off on parents that are lunatics at youth sports games. Oh, I caught I caught I caught it. I caught yeah. it. It was, we, we just had some, you know, we, we just had the, it's the morning, you know, daylight saving time. No, hey, listen, I understand. Listen, we, we, we the people just appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? We appreciate you. Have a great week. The one, Go show out. The, uh, the, the one, the only on this show, the second, the other in life, Rocky Romanella right there on the airwaves. We have obligations. Those obligations are to play some commercials so we can keep making money here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio and Jingo TV Channel 761. So I'm going to give you a commercial real quick. We'll pay these bills, and then we'll be right back to finish the show, the Rome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Welcome to my bookie. You're ready to create an account and start making money. And we're here to help. And remember, you can get a bonus of up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Now you're ready to bet. Just go to mybookie.ag, visit the sports book, click on your bet, and input the amount you want to risk or win in the bet slip. Yes, it's that easy. Just remember, at my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back into the Rome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV Channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, 
and Twitter live. Rocky said it earlier. I just want to reiterate and say it again. Shout out to our guys at 12OunceSportsRadio.com. It's not only the fact that they give us an hour and a half once a week to give you our colorful sports opinions and, and make the Rome show a real thing and and all that fun stuff, but they give such great sports content. There are so many great dudes on our airwaves that you need to listen to that will give you all the latest in, in sports news, the latest sports opinions, whatever it is. Head over to 12OunceSportsRadio.com. I'm doing it right now. When you get to 12OunceSportsRadio.com, you're going to head over to live feeds. You click that live feed, and you know right now, obviously, you'll see you'll see my beautiful face, and, and you would have seen Rocky's beautiful face before as well, because I put up the picture of him when he's on the air. But when you scroll down, you'll see the live schedule, and you have a litany of options on 12OunceSportsRadio.com. Every Monday, it's us from 7 to 8:30 a.m. But on Mondays, excuse me, on every day. Monday through Friday, I meant to say, at 10 a.m. you have AM Drive, which I think is one of the better morning shows. Um, I think, you know, if you're at work, you're on your way to work, whatever the case is, tune into AM Drive comes up about an hour and a half after us. Maybe one day, maybe, the Rome Show will be able to be on every single day. But for now, there are baseball championships we need to try and win there are levels of ADP that we need to try and hit. And there's that, like, master's degree thing I'm trying to graduate with in eight weeks. So let's get, we'll get all that stuff rolling first. But the point of it was to thank our guys at 12 Ounce Sports Radio for giving us the opportunity to be on their airwaves. We only hope that you enjoy what we're doing. And, of course, like we've said the entire time, Twitter, at Wide World of Rome, Coach Romo 24, at Wide World of Rome on Instagram, whatever it is. Reach out to us. Chime in on the action. All right, we talked a lot of baseball, and some things I wanted to note really quickly before we move on to other things and finish up the show is that the Mets traded for all-star Chris Bassett, right-handed pitcher from the Oakland Athletics. So as it currently stands, the top of the Mets rotation is Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett. So all three dudes that were all-stars last year, then their Fourth starter, by the way, is Taiwan Walker, who was also an all-star last year. So if you're looking at the Mets right now, from a pitching staff standpoint especially, you have to be really excited about what they've done. That's a great move right there. And I think finally you can say the Mets are moving in the right direction. So that's super exciting. The Twins traded for Sonny Gray. Okay, Sonny Gray had a stint before with the, the New York Yankees for all my tri-state area listeners out there. Sonny Gray, I think, can be a, a good dude, man. I think uh, the Twins have always been a few dudes off from being that team that can actually compete for a championship. Sometimes they're in it till the end. Sometimes they make it, lose to the Yankees. It's like the only two things that have happened the last 20 years. So hoping Sonny Gray can help bolster that starting rotation for them. And then, you know, there are still some free agency uh, free agents out there. It has not been the frenzy that you thought it was going to be once the CBA was signed. Freddie Freeman, not signed yet by the Atlanta Braves. That is so stupid to me. What are you doing? Like, if you're the Bravos, 
how the heck is Freddie Freeman not under contract for life? I'd give him a lifetime contract. That's it. Freddie Freeman, Braves for life. But instead, all you're doing is asking for heartbreak. The longer this goes on, the less likely it is for the Braves to land Freddie Freeman. That's just a fact. It's You know how, like, when you, you're waiting for information and you say, ah, no news is good news. In my opinion, in this scenario, no news is very bad news for Atlanta Braves fans. No news, in my opinion, equates to the closer we get to Freddie Freeman saying, you know what, I'll probably get a big contract from these people, like, I don't know, insert the New York Yankees here. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but it just always seems to work that way. I hope it's the Mets, seriously. But that team that you don't want Freddie going to ever signs him for a deal that you ultimately look at later on and say, did we really not sign Freddie Freeman for that? He signed with the, let's call it Cardinals, just for fun. Even though they have Paul Goldschmidt, but just for fun. He signed with the Cardinals for six years and, I don't know, 220. All we needed to do is give him six years, 230, and we would have been the best offer on the table. Like, that's... I'm not saying that that's going to be the exact scenario, but that's what it feels like it's trending for Freddie Freeman. Braves fans are going to get their hearts broken, and I love it, baby. I hope he's a New York Metropolitan. That would fire me up. It wouldn't make any sense if Pete Alonso, but it would make sense because the DH exists now in the National League. Woo! My God. Could you imagine a lineup with Freddie Freeman as the starting first baseman and Pete Alonso as your starting DH? Jacob DeGrom. Max Scherzer, Bassett, Walker, Carlos Carrasco. Come on, dude. I mean, come on. Talk about the Metropolitans. Get excited. Correa is still also on the table. Chris Bryant still also on the table. And Trevor Story also on the table. So I would imagine that baseball free agency is going to hit a jump in the next few days, especially with those type of names on the docket. We'll go over and we'll check to see here if any of them have signed since we have been on the airwaves and they have not. There's been a trade. Josh Donaldson headed to the Yankees from the Twins. So the Twins making a lot of moves right now. So, oh, and Nelson Cruz will join the Washington Nationals and will be the first designated hitter that is actually a designated hitter in his like as his position right now and is now in the National League. That is just some awesome stuff. In football news, we did not get to this earlier, but we have to talk about this quickly before the show ends. Russell Wilson was traded to the Denver Broncos. Okay? Now, there's been a lot of debate over the last year about what was going to happen with Russell Wilson. Where was he going to go? Was he going to be with the Seattle Seahawks? Is this the end of an era? Is Pete Carroll going to be there anymore? Yada, 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 yada. We finally got our answer. And the answer is, Russell Wilson's a Denver Bronco. And first and foremost, I got to say, if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm slightly pissed. Okay. Maybe I didn't want to be a Seahawk anymore. Maybe I wanted to be traded from Seattle, right? That's all, that's all well and good. It's fine. I understand it. That makes, that makes plenty of sense. But I was just traded to 
in my opinion, arguably what will be the hardest division in the National Football League next year. I now have to go up against Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Derek Carr. And I'm honest, I'm not saying that Derek Carr is the greatest quarterback in the world. I'm not saying that. But Justin Herbert is what many believe is the next big thing in the National Football League, and he's proving it. Patrick Mahomes is, or argued to be, the best quarterback in the National Football League right now, if not the top three. Russell Wilson has long been revered as one of the best quarterbacks in the last 10 to 15 years. And so you trade me, okay, to what is possibly the hardest division to win in football next year. So what would I have rather? If I'm Russell Wilson, would I have rather stay in Seattle where next year I'm playing against the Rams off of a Super Bowl, losing some pieces, having injury, the Cardinals who really are a mirage, they're really not that good, and the 49ers who quite possibly have a, a new starting quarterback. Both pretty hard divisions, but I really didn't get myself any favors by getting traded to the Denver Broncos. I think they're going to be good. I think they'll be a playoff contender. No chance in heck I believe this makes them a Super Bowl contender because that division is so hard. The AFC in general, think about some of the teams that exist in the AFC. The Buffalo Bilitos, okay, and Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, that's a legitimate franchise right now. The New England Patriots, do I even need to go on? The Cincinnati Bengals, fresh off of a Super Bowl appearance. The Pittsburgh Steelers, most amount of like playoff and over 500 seasons in a row in ever. The Baltimore Ravens, former MVP Lamar Jackson coming back. First time they haven't made the postseason in like eight years. The Tennessee Titans, only thing that might hold them back is their starting quarterback. We don't know what's going to happen in Indy. Good defense, though. Then the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Las Vegas Raiders. That's you got That's a that's a legitimate conference. O- only teams I didn't mention there were the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Houston Texans, the Dolphins, who by the way were nine and eight last year, the Jets, and the Browns, who by the way were in the playoff hunt two years ago. Excuse me. I mean, one there were three teams in the AFC. That had less than seven wins. That's it. That is it. Three teams, less than seven wins. That is unbelievable. That is very unbelievable. So I'm curious to see. That's a good defense. They were a top-ranked defense in the National Football League last year. That was the Broncos. They have a good receiving core. So I don't know. I think they can be a good team. I just think that's a tough division. Man, if, had you gotten traded to the Indianapolis Colts, you'd be sitting pretty right now. All you had to do was fight against the Titans. Instead, you had to fight. It's tough. So well, I'm curious to see what happens with Russell Wilson there. Uh, Khalil Mack was traded to the Chargers. People might have forgotten a little bit about how good Khalil Mack is because he's been spending his time with the lowly Bears for the last few years. So Khalil Mack with the Chargers, that's a great addition for the Chargers. And then uh, lastly, Carson Wentz 
was traded to the Washington Commanders. That's what I alluded to before with the Colts. So one-year experiment, Carson Wentz out as the Colts' starting quarterback. In as the first quarterback in Commanders history. Not really, though, because it's still the Washington football team that was once the Washington Rojoskin. But either way, first time the team will ever have Commanders on the helmets. Wentz will be the quarterback. Not a bad trade for Carson Wentz. Go to a pretty good football team with a pretty solid defense, a solid head coach, and in a division that's been won by a different team each of the last, like, 11 years, and no team is really that good. So I think Carson Wentz might make out there. Plus, he gets to play against the Eagles twice a year. That fires you up, so that's something interesting right there. Uh, Amari Cooper was traded to the Browns, so either the Cowboys are stupid or... Amari Cooper's getting the Odell Beckham Jr. treatment, so who knows about that. Zach Ertz signs a three-year, $31 million contract with the Arizona Cardinals, so who knows, maybe that'll actually help Kyler win some footy ball games. And Michael Gallup signs a five-year deal with the Cowboys, so I guess the Cowboys are fully committed to Michael Gallup over Amari Cooper. I'm going to end the show with this. This is Kevin Durant. And he's calling out the New York City mayor for the debacle that is what's going on with Kyrie Irving. And I got to agree with Kevin Durant here. It is really kind of a joke. But shout out KD who dropped 53 points the other night on the Knicks, yesterday I should say, and then had this to say post-match. Yeah, I don't get it. It just feels like at this point now, somebody's trying to make a statement on point um, to flex their authority. Um but, you know, everybody out here looking for attention, and that's what I feel like the, the mayor wants right now, some attention, you know. Um, but he'll figure it out soon. He better. Um, but it just didn't make any sense. Like, there's unvax people in this building already. We got a guy who uh, can come into the building. I guess, are they fearing our safety? With, like, I don't get it. So, yeah, we're all confused. Pretty much everybody in the world is confused at this point early on in the season. You know, people didn't understand what was going on, but now it just looks stupid. So hopefully, Eric, you, you got to figure this out. Ooh, hot take. I love it from KD. That is what I'm talking about. Start calling him out. Stupid. It's so stupid. And I like this version of KD. Talking crap after the Nets killed the Sixers. Talking crap to the New York City governor, mayor, whatever. Give me that KD. Give me this, the Rome Show podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Peace. Um, thank you for listening.